Amen. I'd like to tell you that as your pastor and friend, I would love for everybody to get involved in some ministry of the church. If you've been going here for any length of time, six months or more, that you could just jump in somewhere. So in two weeks, we're going to have a ministry fair in the lobby and down in the cafe area uh, for different ministries that you can ask questions about, get involved in, talk to some of the leaders, department heads, so on and so forth. It's not always just nursery or usher greeter. It can be many number of things that we would love for you to get involved in and just and be a blessing to the church. We have some people that are involved in everything, and we have some people that are looking for ways to get involved, and we want to show them with you. Also, that first song we sang, God Really Loves Us, just really powerful. All the, all the worship today, the closing song, incredible. What I just felt like in my spirit, somebody really needed to know that. God really does love you. I mean, the world will judge. The church will judge. God will judge, but he will do so after grace and mercy is established. So just grab that grace. Grab that mercy. He really does love you, and he really loves you just the way you are, like right where you're at. Listen, all of us are a work in progress, okay? So he really loves you. He really loves you the way you are. And what a powerful worship set. What a powerful song. So... We are, as Marcus said, in the core four. So first is worship. We uh, talked about that two weeks ago. If you weren't here uh, and haven't had a chance to watch online, I would suggest that you go back because that's where we're at in worship, where we, we're not only worshiping uh, with communication with God, uh, restored fellowship with God, we're worshiping to break people free. That's important to know because your worship will set people free uh, in the spiritual realm. And so last week we talked about the word. Again, we had just a small handful of people here. We knew that would happen. We're good with that. But if you didn't watch online, go back because we can declare the word. We can proclaim his good news and we can stand upon his word. Those are important traits that we have because the word of God. Now we have, there's prophetic ministries out there which are good and dynamic and they'll give you a word from God, but maybe you can't make it to a prophetic ministry or maybe, maybe you're not really tuned in and not sure. God's word will give you that prophecy. God's word will build you up. God's word will give you joy. And today we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer is something dear to my heart. I've prayed for a long, long time as a Christ follower of growing up Roman Catholic. I had certain prayers I would pray and I liked the, the idea of learning a disciplined prayer life. It taught me a disciplined prayer life. And then when I became a Christ follower in a relational way, uh, I, I learned through different venues of how to pray. And so I'll give you just a, a, a couple things uh, today before we read the scripture. I'll tell you a couple prayers I pray uh, each and every day uh, that might help you. So I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. As a Catholic, we would call it the Our Father. Uh, but as a Christ follower and maybe in evangelicalism or charismatic realm, I would say the Lord's Prayer. Why do I pray that? Because Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Pray Pray this, pray this prayer. So I pray that, and I pray David's prayer, Psalm 23. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I walk through that, and then I pray the prayer of Jabez, which a lot of people don't know, but it's First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. And the reason I pray the prayer of Jabez is this. Uh, there's a long list of names that God is rehearsing through the author of Chronicles, and then he stops for a moment and uh, tells uh, the people, Jabez was more honorable than the rest of his brothers. And he prayed this prayer. It's a four-part prayer, two scriptures long, and then the Bible says, and God honored his request. And so when you pray in earnest, when you pray honorably before God, he, your request is known, and he's going to answer those. And then I, I cite the creed every day. <clears throat> the creed is our belief on our foundation, our doctrine of what God would have us to stand on. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I won't quote it, but it goes on. And so I say those four prayers every single day before I get out of bed in my prayer time. And we went to, Janie and I, her father pastored, of course, and we went to a church called the House of Prayer. And so you would, you would know, now not all churches are like this. Some churches are called a world outreach center, but they don't have any missions program. I think if you're whatever you called, you should be, okay? And so we were called, like we're called Grace Church. We need to operate in grace, amen? And so we need to have that grace. Now, again, I've said it before, grace opens the door so that truth can be taught. We're not going to shy away from truth as we see it or as we believe God wants to, but we all are also going to say, hey, grace can change every single one of us, and by grace we are saved, amen? Give the Lord a shout of praise because he's worthy on that one. So we want to operate in grace, all right? But uh, her father, Janie's father's church, uh, my pastor, was house of prayer. And so we prayed, and we prayed five in the morning. We prayed at six in the morning. We prayed at seven in the morning. We prayed on Tuesday nights. We had Wednesday night uh, pre-service prayer and then sometimes post-service prayer. We had Sunday night pre-service prayer, believers meeting, healing and all that, and then post-season prayer. We had three-day lock-ins. Y'all think I'm bad guy for 20. We had three-day lock-ins, water only. You didn't leave the church. Seriously. <laughs> we had 30 nights of revival. We've we seen some amazing things. It was all based around prayer. The reason I like prayer is because I can't sing, all right? I didn't preach early on. Some of you still say you still can't preach, but that's all right. I won't judge you. You don't judge me. But everybody can pray. Everybody has this opportunity to pray and then see what God develops. I've told you the story before. When Marcus was in sixth or seventh grade, they needed a, a Sunday school teacher for the seventh graders. And so they asked me and another gentleman to, to pray about you know, teaching the class. And so Janie said, you don't, need to teach, you don't need to pray about it. Just get in there and teach that class. That's our boy. And so I did, we, and, but me and Terry Tressler, the, the man who uh, we taught together, we got together every day or Monday through Friday, and we prayed from five to seven for that Sunday school class. Every, for two solid years, we prayed for that Sunday school class. Terry and I both became pastors out of it, and Marcus is a minister, and there's other uh, church, there's a church planner in there. there I mean, there's all, all kind of, just a small Sunday school class, and so it's when we decide that we're going to put things to prayer, then things start to happen. And so we're going to come out of Acts, the second chapter today, 42 through 47. We'll read that and have your phones ready. There's going to be some screens that you'll want to take a snapshot of because it'll give you some scriptures. It'll give you some ideas uh, on, how to, on how to pray. All right. Acts 2, the Bible says, 
And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and ask that you open our hearts today to hear all that you have for us. We love and bless you, Lord, and we thank you, God, that you are in charge and you are alive. Now, Lord, help us to learn how to pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. So prayer. Prayer is simple communication between you and God. That's prayer. So we're communing together, and we the, use this as the basis of our Scripture 42 through 47, Acts second chapter, because it's the origin of the church. They talked about the church's, uh, the apostles' doctrine, which is the word of God. They talked about praising God, which is our praise and our worship. They talked about being in unity, in one accord, having things in common. That's community. And then they talked about prayer, their prayer time, their prayer life. And again, anybody can pray. Everybody should pray. It's something that God has given all of us to do where we can commune with the Father. We pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, when he was ascended from on high back to the throne room. He sits on the right hand of the Father, which is the power position. In fact, uh, even the disciples, Peter, James, and John told Paul they gave them the right hand of fellowship. That's the power. They gave them the authority, the acknowledgement. God gave Jesus the authority. So we pray to God in the name of Jesus. Jesus takes our prayers to the throne room. And then the Bible says the revelations like vials, like the, they're stored up in vials and they're poured out before the Creator and then He answered them as is his will. So this is a power, a full thought and idea. I want you to grab, uh, take notes, take pictures, do whatever you need to do. But your, your strong prayer life, your idea of praying, your idea of walking through and communing with God is important. Don't just run to God when you need something. Have a, have a, have a time of prayer. Have a moment, a day. Have a time in the day where you can pray. I was telling Janie, because her father's church was house of prayer. I had added up the hours that I thought, based on early morning prayer meetings, middle of the night prayer meetings, lock-ins, that I have about 25,000 hours of prayer experience. I love that idea, but it doesn't matter if you don't have any prayer experience, you can start to pray today. It's important that we that we pray. So I'm going to give you some ideas on, on prayer. I'm going to give you some testimonies. I'm going to give you some thoughts, and these will be some things that maybe you can take with you. First of all, prayer brings power, provision, and protection in our lives. It brings power from the power of the Holy Spirit. It brings provision, where if you don't have a job, you can pray for a job. It brings protection, again, by, uh, by the Lord. And I'll share these in depth with you as we move, but it's very important that you understand these things. We have a screen up there on some ways that you can pray, personal and uh, family needs. Uh, you can pray for each other. You can take a picture if you like. The saints 
everywhere, ministers of Christ, leaders, and those in authority. So I myself will pray uh, different ways throughout the day. I'll share that with you. I gave you the four prayers that I pray, and then I pray personal prayers, then I pray prayers of need. But then I will pray in these particular cases, if I know there's a family in our church that has a need, I'll center on that for a while. I pray for our board and their spouses, our staff and their spouses. I pray for our kids. I pray for my wife. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for uh, Janie's uh, brothers and sisters and then her mother. I pray for all these things in our life. And then I pray for saints everywhere because fact of the matter is I want people saved. I, I want to give a shout out to Marco. Marcus. He mobilized 11,000 11, people this week to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's an amazing event. That's an amazing scene. We need to pray. We need to pray for each other. Then I pray for leaders. I pray for social and civic and government leaders and spirit, those in spiritual authority. So I pray for uh, people who I am covered by spiritually. And then I pray for our president, vice president. I pray for all of Congress. I pray for our governor, state legislatures. I pray for judges and juries that they would be honest, not corrupt. I pray for the police department. I pray for our mayor and city council. I pray for everybody that is in some form of authority because I want them to succeed according to God's will, all right? And so it's important that you understand that because if you're going to pray, you want to pray strategically. You want to pray in that realm, and praying strategically will bring that protection, that power, that provision that we talk about. Number two, then, you want to pray in faith. This is so critical to be able to pray in faith. When we have a prayer of agreement, or we have of a prayer of pray of faith. It may just be innocent faith to start with, or it might be just a seedling of faith. When you pray and you start to see prayers answered, you it grows. It's like the the people in the room here that work out. They they lift weights or they run. They see improvement. They see they see growth. They see things happening. It's the same way spiritually. We start to pray and God answers that prayer. It's like wow, praise God. And now all of a sudden that we we start to we start to add and we start to pick up and we start to grow in that realm. So we pray, we pray in prayers of faith. I give you a, a testimony of a, a man named Dr. David Yonggi Cho. Dr. Cho uh, pastored in Seoul, Korea. He just passed away this past September on September 14th at 84 years old, but he pastored a church in Seoul, Korea that ran 850,000 people. Big church. I'd like to get them on your side. Big church. And so Dr. Cho started the ministry in 1958. He lived in a 400-square-foot, one-room apartment. Not a one-bedroom, just one room, 400 square feet. And then he planted his church in a tent a couple miles away. He put the tent up, and nobody came. And after a while, family straggled in here or there. And he was a man of prayer. And so he started praying to God. He said, God, if you want me to pastor this church, if you want me to lead these people, I'm going to need some things. And, and so he felt like the Lord said, well, what do you need? He said, well, I'm going to need a bicycle to get to the church, the tent church, and back. I need a desk so I can sit down and study my messages. Pastor Cho wouldn't start his message until Saturday night at 10 p.m. And then he would read and study and pray all night long until Sunday morning. And then he would do seven services on Sunday and when the church got going uh, good. And so he, he would, he, I need a desk, I need a chair. 
chair. I need a, a journal to journal in. I need a pen. I need a backpack, and I need a bicycle. He did, needed five or six or seven things in order for what he felt his church to work. And so he asked the Lord, I need these things. I'm going to pray for these things. If you don't give me these things, then I'm going to assume that you'd want me to go on with a different profession and not become a pastor. And so he prayed at that tent all day long. He did not give God a time frame. He did not say, I need him by tomorrow or next week or next month or the end of the year. This Lord, this is what I need. And if I don't get him, I'm not going to have him. He came home that night from praying all day in his tent. He walked into his one room apartment and against the wall was a, a bicycle. Against the other wall was a desk with a chair, a journal, a pen, and a backpack on it. Now, you don't have to believe that, but he said never did he hear, anybody hear him pray those things. He knew unequivocally that it was God that heard him and God provided that. Can you just give it up for the Lord this morning that he answers prayer? He'll answer your prayer. If he answered Dr. Cho's prayer, he'll answer your prayer. And Dr. Cho became such a person of faith and such a prayer warrior of faith that when he decided, I'm going to pray, he started at, at, well, didn't start. At one point in time, he asked God to add 12,000 families a month to Yodi Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. Yodi Full Gospel Church planted three churches, one with 100,000 people. That's what they gave out. Another one with 150,000 people and another one with a quarter of a million people. Pastor Cho, at one point in time, pastored the four largest churches in the whole world. And when he died, there was 850,000 people in his church and those four churches were still going. So let me go through this as you pray. This is, again, four things I do on a daily basis. I pray for a hedge of protection. I prayed that for 30 years now over our family. Quick story here. Our daughter Jill was uh, uh, the youngest bank manager in Kansas City, Missouri for the bank that she worked for. She was 24 years old. And in the neighboring area, six or seven banks had been robbed. And so uh, Jill's little team were nervous. Well, what if we get robbed today? And, and Jill said, we're not getting robbed. And she said, well, how do you know we're not getting robbed? And she said, my mom and dad pray a hedge of protection around me every day. We're not getting robbed. As long as I'm here, we're not going to get robbed. And I think the people probably thought she was nuts. 24-year-old, what do they know? Well, she knew a lot. She knew that mom and dad had a strong prayer life. She believed in the faith of that prayer life. And then that bank never got robbed, except for three months after she left. I'm just saying. Why not try praying a hedge of protection around your kids? around your spouse. I prayed around Janie and myself every day. I prayed around our kids, their spouses, their children. I prayed around their homes and their finances. I prayed around every member of Grace Church. Anybody that attends Grace Church, I pray, Father, would you build a hedge of protection around about them? And not only that, I pray a shield of favor over them because once the, you move from protection, then you can move into favor. Some of our kids are in sales and some of our people here are starting businesses. I want God's favor on your life. I want the favor of Almighty God to bless you. I want all of you to be like Mike Hager and have 13 paid holidays every year. I just think that's, the, that's, that's great. That's favor of God. Michael, that's God's favor. And then another four or five weeks vacation. You can fish. You fish more than you deliver mail. N not quite. Okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't pick on you. I think that's God's favor. I think we should all be God. You should think that you are God's favor and God's favor rests on you, but I think you can also ask for it. 
According to Psalms 5 and 12, you can ask for the shield of favor to come around. What about just a shield of favor around you? So wherever you walk, I have a nephew that just joined the service. So I've been praying this over his life, a hedge of protection and a shield of favor. Well, would you just give Matt a hedge of protection and a shield of favor? Would just now, Then I say this, would you order his steps? Why? Because we can do that scripturally. I want, to order, I want God to order my kids' steps. I want, those, I want there to be blessing and wisdom there so that something just doesn't happen. Hey, I think this, I might try this. Papa, I might do this. Okay, good, because I think God's giving you wisdom. Why? Because I have prayed for 30 years for God to order their steps. I've prayed for 30 years for God to, to bless them with favor. I've prayed for 30 years for God to build a hedge of protection. Andrew was born with a soft cleft palate. And he lost, he went from eight pounds to five pounds in a matter of six weeks. That's when I started to pray a hedge of protection around him. And I started to pray a hedge of protection around our family. I was in sales. I hated talking to people. My family didn't need if I didn't sell. So I started praying for a shield of favor over Lord, would you just, those that I call upon, would you look with favor upon me, see Christ in me, want to do fellowship with us? Would you have favor rest upon us? You can pray these things. You don't pray them out of fear or vain repetitions, but they're good prayers to pray. And then order our steps. And then last but not least, be our rear guard. Isaiah 58 says that if you give to the hungry, if you give to the homeless, if you have, in other words, if you have compassion, you don't have to worry about anything. God's got your back. And listen, he's the best warrior there ever was. And if he's busy, he'll just send a ton of angels to guard and watch over you. So these are ways that I pray every day in this realm, and I pray him by faith. I don't pray. Listen, the key to praying is not to pray by fear, worried about COVID, worried about something happening. I'm going to lose my job. I've lost jobs before. God just had better ones for me. All right? Listen, you have no fear. You have no fear if you're found in Christ. There's nothing to fear. God's just got a better plan. He's, he might take you through some loops and some hoops, but his, it, in the end, it's going to work out because you're a child of the Almighty God, and he loves you. Amen? So pray, when you pray, pray by faith. Don't pray by fear. I, one more story on the praying by faith. I was reading a book this week that was written in 1983. It's an old book I have up in my office. It's in the, my study part. I have a prayer room off my office. I go in every day, and I pray in that. I pray in the middle of the night from 3 to 5 uh, during the week, and then I come here, and I pray one of Dick Eastman's prayer maps. I pray over different states and governors, and I pray over different countries, six different countries every day, and then I pray over the seven clans of Cherokee, and I pray over just, I, I have a whole schedule of prayer, and so I was picking up a book, Leading Your Church to Growth, by C. Peter Wagner, written in 1983, and so I'm just breezing through it, and I see here, he says, I, I know of a young, dynamic pastor whose name is Rick Warren. He's the pastor of Saddleback Valley Community Church. If you're, if you're not in the church world, you may not know Rick Warren. If you've been in the church world, everybody knows Perfect Driven Life, Perfect Driven Church, Purpose Driven Church, Purpose Driven Life. is a He's a wonderful author. He, he's a great pastor. And Rick Warren said on Easter Sunday, 1980, that by 2020, he would have to, his public goal is to have 20,000 members in his church. Wow, think about that. Well, I looked up in Outreach Magazine, and, and Easter Sunday 2020, he had 27,000 members in his church. So God even far exceeded that. When you pray in faith, it's okay to tell a few people or to declare it. Hey, I'm going to be this position, or I'm going to be this person, or I'm going to be as God wills. 
as you pray in faith. Number three, then, you need to stand on God's word. We won't uh, stay here long because I talked about it last week, proclaim, declare, and then stand on his word. God's word is his promise to you. God's word will never leave, okay? Heavens and earth will pass away, but God's word will not. Because once God speaks it, it's forever into existence. In fact, Isaiah 55, 11 says, it will never return void. It will go to the plans and purposes that it should go to or it's been discovered. And so as we speak God's word, it comes back. But, however, out of Psalms uh, 10, 12 through 18, there's a message in there that you could pray for someone who maybe is in one of these situations. Maybe they feel helpless or troubled. Maybe they feel grieved or betrayed or victimized or maybe they're fatherless or oppressed. Maybe they, maybe they are in a spot in life where they're just down and out. We know uh, Dale and Monica on the front seat here, prayer warriors, they deal with people like this sometimes uh, on their weekly ministry, on their Wednesday ministry, where people are just down and out. This is a prayer that we can pray. This is a prayer that we can pray for all people. And maybe you feel that way today. Maybe you just feel a little oppressed or depressed, or maybe you haven't grown up with a, a father-like figure, someone who loves you like God loves you. We were at a restaurant the other night with the speakers from uh, the Wednesday night service, and we went to a restaurant downtown, and we frequent that restaurant a little bit, and the server knows us not by name or position, but just by proprietary going, going down there. And we were with the speaker, and he had never seen them before. I don't know you. Common just conversation, and we were talking as the night went on, and we were just having a good time talking about ministry and people, and our server was very kind and, and uh, very, you know, tenuous as far as uh, uh, taking care of us. And so at the end of the night, when he brought the bill and we were settling up, uh, the speaker, Bruce, said, is there anything we can pray with you about? And he called him by name and he said, oh, man, my, my life is just a wreck. My, I'm just, I, I, I can't even tell you what's going on. And, and he said, you know, I'm just, and he felt like he was going to be damned to hell and he's just nothing lined up and he, he was raised in church, but it sounded like maybe it was a very judgmental church that just continued to beat him up for who they thought he was. And so well, we were saying to him, well, if you're accepting the judgment of God, why don't you just accept the grace of God? as well. Why not, why not accept God's grace? Why not accept God's mercy? Why not get, accept God's power and life? And by the end of the night, he was on his knees at our table, full on crying out for God's mercy in his life. It was just a beautiful picture. Can you give the Lord a shout of praise? This for someone who commits their life to Christ right there on the spot. He, he was this way. He felt helpless. And we, of course, invited him to church, and we hope that he comes, and we know that you'll all uh, love him and, and, and care for him just like you do everybody in our church. But this is, this is grace, not the church. This is grace, God's gift. God's grace is that he takes us right where we're at just the way we are, that there's no prequalifications other than our breath that says, Father, would you forgive me and would you save me? And if we do that, then God is faithful and just. But we stand on his word. Number four, we pray in the spirit. Now, we have people here from different denominational backgrounds, right? And there are people from the Baptist background and Methodist and Roman Catholicism. And there's people here from Pentecostalism and Episcopalianism. Got a shout out from the Catholics, all right? And so, uh, but when I say pray in the spirit, I say this, and I'm going to teach on this after Easter, you, you can and you should 
ask God for your prayer language, but it's much, much more than that. The prayer language is just an idea. Uh, it's an evidence. The whole idea of praying in the Spirit is that God would give you wisdom, and God would lead you, and God would show you and tell you and wake you up and show you who to pray for. God's woken my wife and myself up in the middle of the night at different times praying for the same person. Now, we've never talked about that person. We've never done anything. And all of a sudden, God, she would, Janie would say the next morning, you know, I woke up last night and started praying for her. I said, me too. It's just God leads you in spiritual prayer. Now I have a prayer language. I've prayed in that prayer language for 43 years, nearly every day. I enjoy the, my prayer language, and it's my time with God for him to pray through me for needs that he has in the world that I may never know of, even until I get to the other side. Maybe not even then, because it won't matter. But you need to be led by the Spirit to pray in the Spirit. Now, again, that messes some people up. We'll teach on it. We're a church that believes that you can pray in the power of the Holy Spirit in an unknown tone, but we also respect the fact that if you don't want to, we're not going to force it upon you. We're not going to force the Holy Spirit on you. It's just like, you know, when I have a good filet, I don't want anybody forcing strawberry cheesecake or, or strawberry sundae on, on my plate. Just don't give me the, the strawberry. Don't give me that ice cream with strawberries and the banana split. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's even so much more than that. And so, But you need to pray with spiritual guidance. If it's the Word of God, if it's the power of the Holy Spirit, if it's speaking in a prayer language, if it's asking God for everything that he has for you, then you go for it, okay? We need to make sure that we're, we're walking in that realm and we're walking with the power of Almighty God. Can you say amen? amen. Whether understanding or not, whether in the Spirit or not, you need to be led of the Spirit so that when you pray, you don't become a robot, a robot that you're looking at God saying, okay, God, now this is not about me. This is about your people. How would you have me pray today? And allow him to drop it in your spirit on who to pray for and how to pray. Number three, persevere in prayer. This is really important because you'll get to times in your prayer life. Say today, you say, I'm, Pastor, I'm going to start praying 10 minutes a day or an hour a day, or maybe some of you pray two hours a day, whatever it is. Don't, don't worry about the time frame just yet. I'm going to start praying, and God's going to commune with you. It's going to be beautiful, but there may be time, sometime down the road, months or years down the road, where you're going to hit a wall or hit a ceiling. God wants to see how you're going to get through that. God wants to see, or something happening in your life, and because we live a little bit in a microwave society, we want God to do it right now. Like, God, you got you to heal this person right now. We believe in instantaneous healing. We also believe that sometimes healings are over, over time. They, they take some time. We know that every person that Jesus prayed for ended up dying at some point in time. So we know that death is inevitable. Paul said it, it's appointed unto man once to die after that, his or her judgment. But you need to persevere in prayer. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, David gives us an idea in 1 Samuel, the, third, the 30th chapter, when he has a problem at Ziklag. He, he, he and his men are working are living in outside the Philistine camp because Saul is trying to kill them. And so David's got his men from the cave. They're hanging out with the Philistines. They're actually helping them at different times in battle, some of which were against Israel. And so uh, 
one day the Philistines say, hey, David, can you help us? We got to go fight one of the tribes. And David's like, all right. A couple of his guys are like, don't know if it's a good idea, David. Not sure. He said, let's go fight. And so when they get out away from camp and they look back, the Amorites had circled around and they had taken all of David and his men's wives, their children, all their gold, silver, all their cattle, livestock, and they stole it all. And then they burnt everything down. So David, as a way from camp, he sees the smoke, they come back around. At the end of the day, after they had fought, they come back and everything's gone, and David's 400 men turned on him. It's like he's in this place now where what am I going to do? You might be in a place in your life where you say, what am I going to do now? I mean, how does this thing end? Well, let's walk you through what David did. First thing David did was he wept. And it's okay. I want to give you permission. It's okay to weep. Listen, if you're, if you're weeping, I, pro, I preached it three or four weeks ago. If you're weeping, others will be worshiping for you. And if you're worshiping, others might be weeping. But when we are worshiping for those who are weeping, there is new birth coming forth. Janie talked about the new wine. That's one way we bring a new wine into existence because we're trying to worship even when people are down and out and they're weeping. We can worship over our community. We can worship over our family. We can worship over our friends. We can worship over our enemies so that God softens their heart. But when we get to a point like David, I'm not sure what else to do. It's okay to weep for a season. Next then is don't get bitter. When something happens and David never got bitter during his, his men turned on him. He was trying to help somebody out. Saul had turned on him. Nobody was for him. Everybody was against him. And he, but he did not pick up an offense. And this is critical in our mature Christian walk that we do not pick up offense fences as we walk through this thing. Why? Because that's a stronghold and it will strangle you and will bring you down to, to a spiritual death if you decide that you're going to pick up an offense or a hurt or, or get over it. So we, he didn't pick up a, a bitterness. And then number three, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And I love this part because sometimes, and we should, Acts the second chapter, we saw where there was community, okay? Where there was unity together. They sold everything. They gave it away. They partnered together. They were were all in one accord. They were all in agreement. They hung out together. There was a, a pure sense of community within every single one of them. It was beautiful. David didn't have that. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. And so what does that look like? Well, you can encourage yourself in God's word. You encourage yourself in prayer time. You can encourage yourself in, in knowing that uh, maybe there's a worship song or worship set or worship team or worship group or worship service that you can get in and you start to encourage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm joint heirs with Christ Jesus. You start to rehearse scriptures that you've read or scriptures that you've prayed over yourself so that you encourage yourself in the Lord. The next one is you create a vision of victory. David started to pray about how he was going to handle this victory. How do I get my wife back? How do I get my kids back? How do I get their wives back? How do we get their kids back? All of our gold and silver, they've taken it, and God imparted within him an answer of victory. God has an answer for you. It most likely will come one of two ways, either through prayer or through his word. It may come through worship, but again, if we're worshiping, where chances are we're worshiping in prayer or worshiping through his, his word. 
word. And so the songs that we sing are all word-driven to begin with. So get yourself a vision. Then number six, get mad at the devil. Make a, make, make a difference. The, the acronym there, MAD. Make a difference. Get mad at the devil. He can't have a hold on you anymore. All right? His, his season is but for a moment. Your season's for a lifetime. He is under your feet because you are a victorious warrior in Christ Jesus. And so you just kind of get a righteous indignation. You, you just kind of get mad and you understand, okay, now I'm, number seven, I'm going to go ahead and attack in prayer. I'm going to make sure that my prayer is, is potent. My prayer is incredible. My prayer is real. My prayer is alive. Come on back, worship team. That my prayer is, is the, the power and the provision and the protection that God has allowed me to be. So as we walk through these screens, as we walk through these types of prayer, now we take a look at David. Now, if you read the rest of that chapter, 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter, you'll see that David, after he did these seven things, he went and got all his families back, all his warriors' families back, all their gold, all their silver, all their cattle, all their livestock, and then he got and then some. And so if the enemy comes in like a flood, the, the, the Lord will raise up a standard against that because you have learned how to pray. Stand with me this morning where you're at. We're going to sing another song, but I want you just to kind of get in the attitude of, of prayer. And I know because in the church world of which I've been in my whole life in one way, shape, or form, we've, we've, we've prayed religious prayers. We've prayed judgmental prayers. We've prayed legalistic prayers. We've, we've prayed King James Version prayers. We've prayed eloquent prayers. And, and I want to tell you today that, that that's that nothing totally wrong or bad, but I want you just to pray today in a form of communion to God. It's like just you and Jesus are talking. Jesus, I have a need. Jesus, I have a care. Jesus, I have a, a desire. Jesus, I, I need help physically or spiritually or financially or mentally, emotionally, relationally. Jesus, I, would you help me with this? Would you take my need to your Father? Raise your hands if you're comfortable doing so. And as we start to sing this song, I want you to entertain the idea that because the Bible says, and Jesus spoke it, where two or three are gathered together in his name, there, uh, there is he in the middle of us. So Jesus is here, and you have attention. You don't have to ask for it. You have it. It's here. And he's here today to answer whatever need you might have, whatever desire you might have, whatever thought you might be going through, whatever trouble or trial you might be going through. Like our friend the other night felt like he was helpless and hopeless. But Jesus, come rushing in by the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll do that for you, too. So as we sing, I want you to pray. Only I don't want you to make up a prayer or something rehearsed or something traditional. I want you just to talk to God today and tell him where you're at. Tell him what you're about and watch him fulfill that need. In Jesus' name.
God is good, amen? Amen. How many of you received that word from the Lord today? A word to pray, a call to prayer. Amen. So thank you, Pastor, for uh, giving us that amazing word. Let's appreciate him one more time. Thank you so much. God is so good. That was a word from the Lord on, on us how to pray. And I hope that you took notes on that. We're going to post those notes online in case you missed any part of that. You can reference it again in just a minute. Uh, just to quote uh, Dr. Eastman one more time, I was thinking about this. It says, um, I heard him say recently that there is something that happens when you pray that doesn't happen when you don't pray. So who is missing out today if you choose not to pray? And the book of James puts it like this, you have not because you ask not. All you need to do is ask. And then God is listening, he is waiting, and he wants you to do it. It's time for us to be a house of prayer, amen? Amen, we need to be a house of prayer. We don't have to call, we don't change the name. But it's time for us to be that. I heard a preacher say, because the lights and the fog and the loud music doesn't necessarily push back the kingdom of darkness. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their sin, heal their land, and I will forgive their sin. And so let us join together one more time as we close the service in a word of prayer. And I want you to lift up whatever it is your request is before the Lord. And it might not be uh, something that you need from Him, although if it is, then just ask. But it might be something you want to give to Him. Just give Him your heart. Surrender your life to Him. That can be your prayer. But if you have a specific need here today, maybe you are sick or you know someone that is. Um, maybe you need a financial miracle or you don't have peace or whatever the situation is. We believe in the power of prayer. So after church here, we have some people who all you need to do is come forward to the front. I'll close in prayer and then you come forward and they're going to stay with you and pray. And we are going to believe that God will do a miracle. Amen. God does miracles and we're going to receive it today. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you have given us the ability to speak to you, the sovereign of the universe. Lord, you own it all. You control it all, Father God, and you care about each one of us here. Lord, you know our needs. You know our hearts, Lord. And so as we ask today, Lord, for that thing, that miracle, as we surrender our life to you, Lord, as we ask you to fill us with that power of the Holy Spirit, whatever our request is or whatever it is we want to tell you, Lord, we pray in faith and we believe and we believe that that prayer of faith Father God, will be powerful and effective and will do so much. Lord God, I thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would empower us to do your will and to work for you this week. God, I ask that you let your will be done in each one of our hearts and in our lives. We, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday at 630 downtown. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.